0: Hello and welcome to The Fizzle Show! This is The Fizzle Show, a weekly talk show for those who want to do great work, put a dent in the universe, and support yourself doing something that you care about. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you actually care about. Your hosts are Barrett Brooks, Steph Crowder, Corbett Barr, and me, Chase Reeves, and we run Fizzle.co, training courses and community support to help you run a small business. You can try Fizzle membership. Uh, for five weeks for free when you go to fizzle.co slash try five let's get on to this episode my customers need me but they don't really know it yet claudia knows that her problem exists she knows that real people are struggling in real life with her topic but she just can't find them. So on the show today, we share her story. She's got over a decade of experience in big business data. And we actually come up with five specific next actions for Claudia and stuff that you can do. These these actions are things that you can do. If you've ever had an intuition that a problem exists in the world, but you're having a hard time finding potential customers, then buckle up and click play. I guess you already have. You've clicked play, so you're here. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 148. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. Um, hey guys, I got, some, I got some news for you. What, what, what do you got? Uh, this episode is brought to you by Lacra, The world's best sparkle water. Sometimes you drink water, you want something more than just water. You want some bubbles? That's, that's tight. Mm. That was... And the news, that was an ad read. They wanted me to read that. Oh. Uh, the news is that I tried coconut lacraw.
1: How'd that go for you?
0: There's a, a flavor of lacroix water where uh, called coconut, and some people love it, and some people hate it. There's very few people who are like, yeah, it's okay, and I can see why because it is so coconutty, super coconutty, and I kind of like it. Like fake coconutty or no, like like a little bit. A li- like there is a definitely a little bit of a syrupy quality to it that I'm like, eh, I don't know about this. Come on, guys, but uh, but it's it, it airs on the side of flavorful in the coconut department.
2: I was thinking we should maybe look into Lacroix and make sure that it's a company that we want to be promoting as much as we do. We don't. We don't. Uh. We don't
0: be <laughs> true. No. We listen. We take the money wherever it comes in. We don't have to think about these sorts of things. This is what it's like to be podcasters professionally. Speaking of which, um, Corbett Barr, you shared some feedback from from someone who said, and I quote. I found your site through your prod, for your podcast, and occasionally I skip a few minutes ahead because it takes you guys freaking forever to get to the point, but that's the same reason that I love the podcast. It feels like I'm just hanging out spitballing ideas with friends, and even though maybe I, quote, waste time listening to your jokes, yours is the only podcast in my entire life that I've ever managed to listen to more than a few episodes of. So I guess those interspersed jokes are keeping me from bailing anyways. Exactly. Listen, I I've we get this I get this kind of sentiment a lot sent to me or seeing in the iTunes reviews and things like that where people are like, "What well, get to the point? Like get get to the point. Why don't you get to the point? How would you get to the point? What's the point?" Uh and and I totally understand the sentiment. Don't don't you Corbett, you understand that sentiment, right? Well, I don't understand. What are you what are you trying to say here? What I'm trying Could to say is Could you just get to the point? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be I'll be damned. <laughs> you really got me. Um what I'm trying to say is is that uh I, I am I apologize that we don't get to the point super quick. I apologize uh I take responsibility for a lot of this and at the same time <laughs> like you can listen to literally every other show out there and get these packaged answers for you and then and then hopefully that's enough to just convince you that things things are worth a try. What we're doing is 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 something very different where it's like no, we're here's how the sausage is made. And that means it's greasy and gross and there's going to be some carcasses lying around. But in this case the carcasses are like are not just our emotions and and crying about the fact that dad didn't hug me enough. It's also Uh, it's also, you know, a couple giggles because this is what it's like to, 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 to run a
1: business and try to create something with your guts and stuff. Oh my God, you guys. What? This is not related to the current conversation. What? I agree though. You know what that review tells me? Exactly. Hmm. That person got the point. Cause yeah. Some days it's like, get to the point. I'm having a bad day. I didn't have my cup of coffee and blah, blah, blah. And other (laughs) days it's like, I'm in a good mood. The sun's out. I want to hear a joke or two. Yeah. And that's humanity. So I feel like
2: Barry's speaking personally right now.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Could be. Yeah. I just have to share that uh, Lacra is owned by National Beverage Corporation, mm. whose ticker symbol on the stock markets is? Uh, NBA. NBA. Fizz. What?
2: <laughs> no, it's not. Yep. <laughs> it's not Fizz. Yeah, Damn it. Z, how are no. we going to get that? <laughs> we don't get Fizz.
0: We, we're when never we gonna grow up, we got to merge. We got to yes, merge. They should buy us. They should totally buy it. Makes buy so it. Much sense. Hey, what's going to sell more fizzy water? I tell you what, some entre- entrepreneurial training. Listen, today we are missing a vital piece of our team, but we're gonna we're gonna try to move on without her for a day, uh, for an episode. Steph is on vacation, a much needed vacation, visiting an old friend out in Europe. Now, sometimes we are in Europe. And sometimes we are the rope. I you know what I mean? I don't know if the United Kingdom likes to think of themselves as Europe. Well, I wasn't trying to put too fine a point on it there, Bob. Oh, Bob. <laughs> I kind of wanted to leave it a little bit of vague because you know how small Europe is. If you say that she's in the United Kingdom, the there's a chance that a lot of people are going to mm-hmm. go looking for her. Yep. So I was just trying to give her a little bit of a, uh, you know. Privacy. A,
1: Leeway. Yeah, that's I'm just, right. I'm just looking out for our British friends over there.
0: And one last announcement before we jump into our, our topic for today. It's that uh Corbett, how's the weather down there? Where are you calling in from, pal? Uh I'm calling from south of the border. Ooh. <laughs> oh, is it time for fifth meal? Fourth meal? it's <laughs> Which time one for are we on? Fourth meal. <laughs> <laughs> Bing! Remember the little Chihuahua ones too? No, he's not at Taco Bell. He's in Mexico. What? What yep. are you doing down there? What did like just for the weekend or just kicking it like I do every year? <laughs> like I do. Kick off your just shoes and relax it. your feet. Like hey, I do. Party and, on uh, down with that just the sync beat. The
2: upside of this year is the internet improved from last year. It's like twice as fast as it used to be. I don't sure know what happened. Like yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh,
0: Mexico's on the up and up. Corbett lives and uh, it spends an extended period of time, a few months down there with his wife because, uh, back in the day they just were pretty lonely they needed a place to go and find some old expat uh friends that they could party down with in a in a sort of like a tiki bar or uh, or uh gosh what what's his, what's his name Jimmy Buffett kind of like he's just looking for a he, Corbett's just a parrot head I think is what it is oh that's great <laughs> Corbett and Jessler are two of the classiest people in the world and they go down to Mexico every year for a couple of months and uh and remain like classy on the inside but on the outside, you kind of can't tell the difference between them and all the like, all the like sort of large Canadians that have just like floated down, down the, the currents down to hang out at bars for a few weeks in Mexico. <laughs> it's yeah, great. People come down here
2: just to basically uh, drink themselves to death. And uh, we try to, <laughs> we try to stay healthy. It's true. It's true. Sunrise yogas,
0: walks on the beach. Surfing. Good friends. So he's down in Mexico, and, and he'll, be, he'll be dialing in for the next several episodes. Um, so, Corbett, enjoy enjoy the sun for all of us. You're living the, the lifestyle business designer uh, dream out there. <laughs> Thanks. So, listen, I'm going to bring our topic to, uh, up to us now. Okay, it comes from a fizzler named Claudia in the Forums who asks this. I'm going to read you her uh, her question. Um, I'm going to read as much as I feel like I think I need to read, and then you guys stop me if, if if I read more than I needed to have read. But if the reading gets needed, if you need the reading, then that's when I'll continue the, the hey, Chase, reading. I'm going to the... stop
1: you right there. Why don't we move ahead to the reading?
0: Good point there, Corbett. This is uh, from Claudia. Have you ever been in a position where you know there is a need, like you know there's a need, but you don't know where to find the ideal clients or how to convey they can benefit from your services. Have you ever feel so stuck in finding these people that you just kind of want to give up, that's what I'm facing. I mean, I'm a data analytics consultant in my day job and have been for over a decade. I have consulted and led multi-million dollar projects from businesses For from Fortune 500 companies to the United States government. And nothing has been more challenging than trying to get my own data driven strategy consulting business started. It's a a mouthful data driven strategy consulting business. That's what she's trying to start. I have a wealth of knowledge, proven insight, and I'm ready and willing to get implement or to help implement to produce actionable, measurable, and repeatable results for businesses who are experiencing growth but don't have a handle on their metrics, customers' experience, or their marketing. Okay, so this is, this is part of her audience. These are people that are kind of ex- uh, like experiencing growth, but don't have a handle on their metrics, customer experience, or their marketing. Okay, and the reality is every business owner and entrepreneur out there does not know how to track, measure, and grow their business. And yet from the outside, it appears like they do. So how do I tap into their well of data, uh, data overwhelm? To show them that they can have the growth and the success that they aspire for, they aspire for in their business, if if only they set up the right systems, processes, metrics, and measures. So again, this is something she wants to help them do: to set up systems, processes, metrics, and measures in this sort of data-driven strategy uh, sort of environment. So, how many companies, uh, whether they're startups or or ex- previously existing companies are using analytics tools and just don't know how to read the data tools that they the the data that the tools presents Uh, they think it's their marketing and yet how many business owners actually ask their customers what they like about their product what they like to see more of those the kind of stuff that leads to sort of avid avid customers avid fans stuff like that so with this out in the, uh, in the open, she's saying, I'm back to LinkedIn profile searches and Facebook group stalking to find this elusive yet right under my nose business owner. Signed, yours truly, Claudia, the digital diva. Right? So um, so if you, Barrett, if you had to sort of re-summarize that, that, that question for us, what would you put it in your own words?
1: Claudia is a big business data analytics consultant, which she's been doing for about a decade. She thinks small business people can use the principles from what she's learned in that decade in their small business to improve their marketing and sales and earn more money. And she's annoyed that those people don't know they need that in their business. And therefore, she's having a hard time finding customers. Boom. Boom. Nailed it. Boom. Yeah. Boom.
0: Yeah. As the kids say. Mm. Boom. Yeah. Which kids? Corbett. (laughs) (laughs) What are you hearing over there? Okay. Where do you want to dive in on this thing?
2: Lots of good stuff here. Um, I think like what comes to mind first is the th- two things. One is Claudia says that she has a decade of experience in consulting and leading multimillion dollar projects. Um, I think that even if she has this experience consulting, leading these projects, it's unlikely that she was heavily involved in the sales of those projects. Hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that she's trying to translate well, something. hold on, why do, why do you why do you say that?
0: Remember the transition thing, but um but why do you think that she probably didn't have much of experience on the sales side? what what clues you in on that?
2: Well, it's generally just very divided when you work in these uh, types of consulting firms where there's one or two uh, partners or rainmakers who are responsible for selling a project, and then there are many people who are leading the projects, and usually the person selling is not necessarily the person leading the implementation i could they really use that term rainmaker in that context is that well it's just like in a law firm i mean there there are partners who at the top of a law firm who are responsible for selling multi-million dollar projects and they're they're thought of as the rainmakers as well i don't know that they use that necessarily that specific word but that's what they are they're the they're the they're the people who have outsized um, who bring outsized results to the firm yeah. because they're selling these massive projects that hundreds of lawyers or hundreds of consultants literally work
1: on. If it helps, in Atlanta there was a software startup who runs a conference called the Rainmaker Conference for salespeople like this.
0: I didn't really know that that term Rainmaker. Now I understand because there's a platform called Rainmaker. There's, uh, I mean, I've, and it's got this like old, like shamanistic sort of vibe to to the word. Yeah. It's, I guess I always say I said it so many times without really thinking about what it means. And yeah, you're the rainmaker. Mm-hmm. It's yeah.
1: like making it rain in rap songs. Like, you know? Oh, so making but the it professional version. Which is
0: you're from Atlanta, Barrett. What is the what is making it? Actually, we'll get into that later. It's probably a good call.
2: <laughs> okay, so, I just wasn't sure. So anyway, to put it this way, like there, you know, on on a consulting project, there may be uh, dozens or or hundreds of people working on it, and it only yeah. usually takes one or two to sell the project.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh,
2: there's a chance, a good chance, that Claudia wasn't involved in sales. So that's something new for her, probably. Uh, and then the second thing is just this massive mismatch between the types of businesses that she used to work for and the businesses that she's working for now. Uh, she's talking about Fortune 500 companies, which have hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe billions of dollars in revenue. And now she's trying to sell similar services to very small companies. So there's a mismatch there in terms of the stage of the business, what the business needs, how much they have to spend. And maybe most importantly, the language that they use. She's, she's steeped in this language of, she says in there, um, that she was a, what was it? A data driven strategy consulting business. Yeah. And I, I can't say that I know a single uh, small business owner, say of a company with like fifty or fewer employees, that has ever talked about hiring or needing a data-driven strategy consultant. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't exist in this world, and it's not to say that they don't need some of the things. That it's not she's to say they don't about.
0: need a strategy and they don't want that strategy to be informed by data.
2: Right. Right. But but the but that language that she's using is just it's it may be commonplace in Fortune 500 companies in certain segments of it. And believe me, they love to use $5 words and oh, yeah. and jargon.
0: In those- I've been in boardrooms where we literally said nothing besides these, and, and I just watched the guys on the other side of the table just start drooling. just like, yep, that's what we need. We need these guys. These guys have the synergy and the blue sky that we are looking for. Was I not telling you this in the Q1 meeting last month? exists exactly. This is the stuff.
1: Exactly. It's crazy, because... It's if you really listen from an objective standpoint, and if you've been removed from that part of the world for a while, it's really hard to understand what you're even talking about mm-hmm. in the middle of a conversation. And some of that was the same feeling I got that you're talking about, Corbett, as we read through this, it was like, oh man, eyes glazing over. I This takes me back to a time that I don't even want to think about in my life. And I don't understand exactly what you're talking about. It becomes yeah. very hard to even decipher what's the meaning of of what you're trying to provide to people.
0: Yeah. What's interesting, I mean, think about it. Like this, b- Before now, data-driven strategy was really only for the Fortune 500 companies. They're the only ones who could afford it, right? Everybody could have used it, but nobody got to because it was way too expensive. You had to have people making custom tools and all this other stuff, right? So that's like old business. Well, new business right now, modern business, looks like you install a little piece of code from Google Analytics... And now you have tons of data right there for free, and it sounds like what well, that's one that's one area, right? The other thing is like Facebook ads, for example. You can anybody can sign up with Facebook, say, "Hey, I wrote a blog post. I would like to like get this seen by more people. I'll spend thirty dollars on it. Who are the people you want to target? Yada yada, all this other stuff, and then you have to ask the question like, okay, did it work? And then Facebook's going to go like, look, you saw like so many people saw this and like, so many people clicked. And then you got to try to make the leap between like, hey, wait, is that, is that having any sales that were came for that and all that stuff? You have to have, do all this custom campaign stuff and your own tools. So anyways, all this is to say like now all of these tools are available and the cost isn't the, be- isn't the thing that limits us and our availability to it. It's the know-how. It's the it's how to use these things like analytics, like uh, you know, things like seg- segment.io or or other stuff that, that we use that that help us get this kind of data on what do customers want, what are they clicking on, what are the things they're responding to, uh what where is the weak parts of our business. So part of me what's interested in this whole thing and what you're kind of saying, Corbett, is there's this like she's coming from the sort of I kind of want to call it the old world of business because I feel like it's a dying way of doing business. Now they have to adapt faster too, you know, and, and we have access to all these tools, and then, but we're not saying data-driven strategy so much. We're saying like, I would like more sales. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and she's going, I can help you get more sales when we have, and we can look at the data to find that stuff. But it, in some ways, what I'm hearing you say, Corbett, is there's just a mismatch of language, Right.
2: Yeah. And I, and I think that's m- maybe in part because big businesses buy projects based on jargon or based on trends that they read yeah. about in, uh, Harvard Business Review or something. Yeah. And so they're, they're looking for these kinds of projects and they don't necessarily even need to see the hard benefits because some senior vice president just decided that they needed a data driven strategy project or whatever it is. Yeah. Whereas in small business, all we care about is results and benefits, specific results and benefits that are quantifiable in a short-term period. So, you know, to come to a small business and say, you know, you can, I can help you get a handle on your metrics, customer experience, and marketing. It's like, I don't need a handle on anything. I need more customers. I need more sales. I need a better profit margin or or whatever it might be. Yeah. And so it it just and, and I think that, you know, some of the people who are responding to her in the in the forums were getting at that. And I think Claudia recognizes that. But it just may be that there's a, a period of time where she has to learn the lingo and she has to figure out how to sell projects, not uh, even if she was involved in sales before selling to big businesses is a lot different from selling to small businesses.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so there's some great comments from people here in the thread that follows and claudia sort of goes on and says uh you know typically the people that she wants to target That's this was interesting to me is is she knows that this this person exists lots of these people exist out there but she doesn't know how to find them or they're not responding to her messages um so she's like uh it's the business per- person who's typically seeing a decrease in their customer purchases. And revenues are not maintaining a consistent level average. What they want to know is is stuff like this. They want to identify their customer buying habits. They want to know their marketing effectiveness. They want to reduce their business analytics stress. Uh, They want to know which analytics benefit their company the most and get ahead of the problems before they become problems, right? And so she kind of restates the question as like, the question is, what am I missing in what I am offering. Um, like, what is it, why Why is there, why am I, Am
1: I I know these people exist, right? what am I missing? Totally, and go ahead, Barrett. Well, I was just gonna say, I, let's start by saying, I don't think she's missing anything. I mean, there definitely are companies like this. If we look yeah. at our last year of business at Fizzle, we went through a lot of this. We were trying to figure out where do our customers come from? What is the most effective marketing channels we have? How do we use analytics well to track all of that? You know, how do we invest money into the things that are working better than the others? Yada, yada. So we've been through this. Like, we are an example of a business who has gone through some of this kind of thing. But, and Corbett or or Chase, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there was ever a point when we would have thought about spending $10,000 or something like that to hire a consultant to come in and do all of that for us. We looked for blog posts. We looked for guides. We looked for eBooks. We looked for things that could inform our efforts Mm -hmm. internally. But we weren't at a point where we're going to pay what someone like Claudia probably needs to make on a given project if she's going to be the implementer of this stuff. Yeah,
2: right. And we, you know, businesses of our size and I, I don't know what she's what she's looking at. There were just hints in here, I think, that pointed to her talking to um, smaller businesses and, and yeah, entrepreneurs I thought that way, too. So. I don't know exactly what she's looking at, but businesses that are our size and up to like even 10 or 20 people are not generally looking to throw more consultants at a problem. They're usually looking to throw tools at a problem because now Mm -hmm. we have this this amazing wealth of tools at our fingertips where you can get. All kinds of analytics from Mixpanel or Google Analytics or whatever for anywhere from free to maybe a couple hundred dollars a month. The, so the thought of paying someone thousands or, or tens of thousands of dollars to do a project that involves tools that only cost, uh, you know, 10 or, or a hundred or something in that range per month just seems mismatched as well. When, mm-hmm. when she says here that, the customers n- want to know how to, you just listed these five things. She yeah. said, identify their customer buying habits, know their marketing effectiveness, reduce their business analytics stress, know which analytics benefit their company most and get ahead of problems. I would say almost none of those are holy problems. Most mm. of those are, uh, I don't know if I would call that a problem necessarily. It's, uh, Reducing my, I don't have business analytics stress. Um, I I don't want to get ahead of problems. I want to deal with the problems that I have right now. Um, yeah, I have, I have like a
0: I need customers problem. Right. That's an that's like I, I have. She mentioned you know if things go real sour, then you're like, oh, and this is going to affect payroll in a couple of weeks. You know, I have that problem. Right. right. As and, a small business and may, person, and it may
2: be as simple as we we always talk about uh, what customers want versus what they need and that you have to sell them what they want, but give them what they need. And I think right now she's talking about a, a mix here of things that she thinks people want. And then she's also talking about things that people need. And I think she has a better handle on what people need. Uh, of the of these five, identifying your customer buying habits, that's something that people need in order to, to solve for something that they want, like they yeah. want more customers. Right. Uh, the same is true of knowing which analytics actually work for your company, and knowing uh, which of your marketing is effective. So those are all things that people need. Now she needs to figure out the language that she should use that identify the things that her customers are actually looking for, what they actually want.
1: That's one way. So I as I was taking notes on this, it was two things came to mind, or two kind of paths came to mind. It was um, change your audience and sell to people who already want what you're talking about in right. the language you're talking about it, or... Um, well, I guess there's maybe three now that we're talking about it. So the second one would be change your language to fit your audience and keep trying to sell what you're selling or change what you're selling to the existing audience so that it's something they can afford and know how to purchase. And so when I think of those different ones, they're kind of different, very different paths because she comes from this corporate background, this big business consulting background where she could do that, you know, a version of that. Uh, and sell into companies that already understand this language and talk this language and get turned on by like the buzzwords or whatever. That's a hard path. It's really difficult for independent firms to to break into that whole world just because of the fear of getting fired Mm -hmm. from purchasers. The middle, you know, walk that we're talking about of changing your language, I think could be effective, but you're still talking about selling services at a price point that this customer base may not be ready to pay. Mm -hmm. Or the third one being, you know, there's no reason you can't productize this knowledge and then sell it to this customer group in a format they understand and can actually put to use for them. And what I mean by that is, if you go create an ebook or a course or whatever, out of the, all the knowledge you have about data analytics that uh, works for a company our size or let's say up to 20 employees, that's perfect because it's an entry point. And it's something that we can spend $150 on, which we might do this afternoon, versus a $10,000 project that we may never do.
0: Yeah. I think uh, in, in so the last, I see the difference between your, your first two, which were the, the big categorical changes. Yep. Right? No matter what she chooses, whether she chooses to do it as a, as a consultant, as, a, you know, paid by the hour or paid by the project, it's me working on your stuff with you. Mm-hmm. Um, or if she does it as a product, like I'm selling you these courses, I'm selling you this information, this resources, the, the information. Um, either way, she still has what I would say almost a, a, a positioning question i corbett now in your in your mind where would you place like the if she's asking like what's what's missing i would say like i don't think anything's missing uh it sounds like something isn't connecting you're using you're using language for group a but trying to reach group b and so you need to either start trying to reach group a or change your language to talk to group b would you call that a positioning challenge or 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 problem
2: yeah. Well, and it's, it's ironic because she's talking about helping customers, uh, or helping her customers understand who their customers are. And yeah. really she needs to better understand who her own customers might be. And I, I think again, this is just because she, she's changed from who her customers used to be to, yeah. uh, looking for much smaller businesses. And, yeah. you know, the thing that came to mind for me is, if she goes with Barrett's option which was to if she's going to going to continue targeting these really small businesses she needs to change her offering quite a bit and the thing that came to mind for me was uh to become an expert in one of these particular tools that are really hot among the type of businesses that she wants to work with mm. so um for example google analytics could be a good one there are all kinds of people out there who are analytics consultants and make a good living uh there are people who probably specialize in things like mixpanel or kiss metrics as well mm-hmm. these are tools that you know might cost a few hundred dollars a month for a startup to use and certainly uh, I could see, you know, paying someone a packaged price, you know, maybe you pay $2,000 to have someone come in and set up your uh, KISS metrics and show you the best way to use it to make more sales or to uh, make your marketing twice as effective or or whatever it is that she wants to target. Right now, it really feels like she's kind of all over the map. It's just that um, she knows analytics and and data and thinks that that's specialized enough, but it's not. Um, that's mm. that's really broad. And so by honing in on a particular tool or a handful of tools and on a particular couple of benefits um, that small businesses are looking for, I think she could she could do a lot better and she could probably still sell consulting, but as Barrett said, it, it probably needs to be productized in a way, meaning you take your consulting offering and instead of saying, hey, I can help you figure out your data and my cost is $200 an hour or whatever, mm-hmm. that makes a small business owner freak the hell out, right? I, the right. thought of paying someone $200 an hour for this open-ended kind of project is scary, and we're just not going to sign up for that. But if she mm. said, Here's what I'll give you for X thousands of dollars, or or whatever. Or you know, here's an intro project for a thousand bucks, and here's what you'll get. And if you like that, then here's phase two, and here's how much it costs. Um, then that's that's much more appetizing. And this idea of being able to trade, uh, dollars for more dollars, that's is cl- that's what you want to get closest to. You want to be able to tell a small business owner that if you pay X dollars you should see X dollars in increases in revenue or customer lifetime value or whatever. That makes the sale more of a no-brainer. Right. I do want to clear something up. You are talking about about kiss metrics, and
0: uh, I know there are questioner today. Claudia is clearly a lady. Uh, corporate. I don't. I don't want it to be misinterpreted as something sort of you know whatever indecent kiss metrics is a Google uh, is a sort of uh, uh analytics tool that's used by small businesses. So I just want to clear that up. Wow, Terry, thanks for all the information. <laughs> um, one of the things that that is also like you know the the you mentioned the the irony of this is is. As Claudia had said in her original post, uh, for instance, you know, not many business, how many business owners, and I quote, actually ask their customers what they like about their product and what they would like to see more of, right? And the irony here being like claudia this is this is where you you can get out and talk to these people that you can find, okay, so I think what a couple of things that I see happening, and I think this is a really big deal, um there's this moment. That potentially Claudia is in. I know that I've been in it before where... Uh, let's just say, be, for for the sake of a of a story or a fable, it's like let's say that Claudia's always been in this enterprise, Fortune 500, government, bureaucratic, uh, you know, large business world, and then she's been dabbling on the side in the small business stuff. And what's happening is her her as her like maybe as parts of her gets really excited about the small business, the independence, the autonomy, the creativity, the sort of like the directness of a small business that she can run by herself instead of just being a tiny cog in a much larger machine um she's still got other parts of her caught up in that big machine right so some parts of her mind have moved on to think about these small business people but other parts haven't yet caught all the way up to really put flesh and bones and and the actual emotion of those potential customers and the small business people into perspective for her and i i feel like i've gone through moments like that in my past feeling like i knew a lot like i knew when i look back i go like oh you 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 thought you knew more than you did, but you really had to go into the world to find the the real stuff that you were that you thought you knew. And it was more simple than what you had previously made it, right? It's like, oh no, this is that's what we're saying. It's like, no, we don't care about these these things that, that you're saying. Yeah, sure, that'd be great, but that's not going in the budget for this week. Mm-hmm. What's going on in the budget for this week is, I need more sales, right? And so if you either tell me you're going to get me more sales, then it's like, all right, let's see what you got. Or... You can go talk to someone else who wants a, a more colorful analytics or more uh, more understanding or less stress about analytics. Like no, I I'm, I'm putting food on the table, so I think that what I'm what I'm hearing so far has been a a lot of of that. Okay, and by the way, this is all corroborated by uh, Kimberly at the bottom of this post. Uh, her the the most recent response from Kimberly Houston which is just brilliant. She's like talking about it from a copywriter's perspective. She's like, you haven't framed your solution using sort of the top of mind needs for your customers. If your customer is this small business person who's, who's, who's a little bit past the early days that like they actually have some revenue, then you have to get into their head and their mind and, and understand what the words that they're using for their problem is and then bring your data-driven perspective and strategy to that. Um, But you have to frame your solution, the wording, the copywriting of your thing in those terms that they're using. And I just thought I just wanted to call out Kimberly and say, I really liked your response. Thanks. I'm going to go ahead and give it a like.
1: Boom. Liked Mm -hmm. in the Fizzle forums. Yeah. What were you going to say, Barrett? In terms of like, I I just want to put Claudia's situation in terms of the Fizzle roadmap, because I I do feel like that's helpful. It kind of contextualizes all this often, at least as I see it. She's done one really important step that we usually can't control when we're educating entrepreneurs and that's that she' spent ten years building a body of expertise. so going back to your point, chase is I, I do think she feels like she knows a lot just like you just said and now she's starting to learn how little um the way she talks about what she knows matters mm-hmm. to the people she's trying to target yeah and so what I love about that and what's great about that as far as her being inside a fizzle is that She's got the prerequisite covered, mm-hmm. and now her job is to learn how to build a business around it. And I think we can help a lot more with that than yeah. if it were the other way around. It's yeah. like, I want to build a business, but I don't know anything about data yeah. analytics. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing I'll say is, an analogy I've been using recently when I'm talking to fizzlers is that there's a big difference in the clarity you need in a topic versus a product. And so in a, with a topic, data analytics for small business owners, that can be your topic, mm-hmm. but Honing in on a specific product or a specific service, you have to get much more clear and you have to really target the problem that your audience has and then solving that with your product or service in their language. That's what we're talking about Mm -hmm. here, I think. And so from my angle, she has a topic. You know, data analytics for small business owners. Now, her job is to figure out now what do I sell related to that if I want my audience to be small. And now, how owners. would what are what are possible
0: ways that you would dice that up? For example, I mean, part of me thinks like, okay, data analytics for small businesses
1: who want to get more sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, right. But, but that so the audience part, the topic part and the audience part is like the data analytics is the topic Yeah. for small business owners is the audience. Mm -hmm. And then the problem part is what you're just talking about. Yeah. So sales have enough sales would be the problem Mm -hmm. solution would be get more sales. Right. And so what we need now is a problem solution statement of what will this product or service your first product or service? What is the problem it will solve? And what's the solution in Mm -hmm. their words? Yeah. And for me, as I listen to this, it's like, well, your customers aren't gonna be fizzlers. Mm-hmm. They're just not. I, I can't picture many fizzlers who are gonna be the kind of person to buy the service-based stuff that's gonna come from this. Yeah. Unless they're in phase three of the roadmap. Yeah. Unless they've already gotten to that point where they've hit their minimum viable income, they're struggling to learn how to grow and they're really digging into the meat of what a growth-oriented business looks like. Yeah, That's the minimum requirement for the kind of customer you're gonna need for this type of product yeah, and service. totally. Roadmap. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think, um, and yet, so
0: even though Fizzlers might not be the ideal customer right now, I guess yeah, that would uh, that would be the case. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I think part of it, it, part of what I could see though, is it's such a a killer collection of small business owners who would who would probably trip out on some of the data that, and the insights that she could bring from the data. Right, So as a way of going like, hey, Kimberly, what are you working on? Can you share some stuff with me and I can practice this out? And how would you, so I'll help you with your copywriting business, figure out some insights from your data. You help me explain what I did for you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like situations like that where you're kind of trying to understand what are you doing for people? Mm-hmm. What are the things that are, that are important about this work now? Um, because I think from my experience as someone who is a, a professional marketer and creative and communicator, I still that's the biggest thing I struggle with. And Claudia, that's gonna be the thing that you struggle with. You're gonna know exactly um, how to go like okay, give me your URL, give me your access to your analytics or give me the the things that you need And then you got like you know you get your your coconut lacra brought to you by Lacra. you get your uh, your whatever your your snacks are that you like to eat while you while you go, go way into researching this. You know what I mean? You know how to do that and you know how to then take that on the other end and create the, the report that says, okay, here's the insights that I found. Here's where people in, could be finding you potentially in the future if you did more work over here, or yada, yada, yada. But, um, so you know how to do that. Start, But then communicating that back on the front end to a customer, that's always going to be a hard thing. And working with customers and getting from them, themselves, their words on what you've done for them, that's going to be a huge insight for you. Yeah. And, um, I think.
2: And this is, um, th- this fits with our roadmap really well because it, it seems to me as though she skipped over some parts. Um, when we talk about our roadmap, you know, we have three stages. And the second phase is really where you start to build an audience of people. And what she's doing to build an audience is she's fishing on LinkedIn and, and Facebook. And and that's fine. We we call that the hustle and sell approach. And that can totally work. Uh And then as far as a, a product goes, I don't know exactly what a product is, but it sounds like it's probably a pitch for here's a project that I could do um, to help you understand your analytics and she's already trying to sell, but she kind of skipped from choosing a topic, like Barrett said, over the problem solution. You know, here's my ideal target customer and here's why. Yeah. And so it seems to me her next step really needs to be, um, Reducing the pressure on herself to get conversations and th- turn those into sales. And instead just to try to land some conversations and then conduct customer interviews to find out what are you struggling with? And, and not to put words in the, the business owner's mouth, but to simply sit back and listen to the very specific mm-hmm. language that those people use when they're describing the problems that they have. And then in the conversation, maybe to say, Okay, well, you know, and then she could explain her problem. She could say, well, I come from this world where I've seen the power of data-driven strategies and analytics to to transform yeah. businesses, but I'm not sure how I can help you as a small business owner. So let's think of some ways where I might be able to help you and then and then really just kind of brainstorm together how that might work. And she'll probably come up with a bunch of really good ideas for how to explain mm. her services better.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a really, really actionable sort of thing. And and I mean if she's like most people when she's hearing you right now, Corbett, say like, okay, so I love the way you put that. Take yourself out of the take the pressure off of you. You're not going to LinkedIn and Facebook to make a sale right now. You're you will be later. But right now, you're going in to to get into conversations and potentially customer interviews, but you can just call them conversations, where you get to sit back and listen to them talk about their problem and you i even like the way you said like then you can share your problem well i have this experience with all this data if you're like me you probably go i really don't want any real-time interaction with people because i would rather just tweet about it or something i would rather just sit in and be someplace like where i don't have to deal with how uncomfortable it is to be around people um but man, that's, there's just nothing more valuable. You have, this is for every listener out there. There's nothing more valuable than, than, than real interactions with your customers. Like she said, how many business owners actually ask their customers what they like about their product and what they would like to see more of? That, that lyric, Actually, that part like stood out in my brain because I realized how few times I've ever done that about fizzle and two fizzlers. Talk to them about what do you like and what do you want more of? Right? I'm always asking like, oh, how's it going? Or, like, I'm, I, we talk a lot, but it's, very, it's oftentimes not as, as real of a conversation as, as, as what you just explained, Corbett. And so hopefully that would be the kind of thing that would be doable for you, Claudia, even if it is kind of scary, um, because I think there'd be a ton of insights that fall out from that. I don't know. Uh, I, I want to I go in before we're, we're done here. and I, I don't think we're quite finished necessarily. But by the end of it, I, w- I want to share one cool thing. Everybody bring one cool thing to the table. Okay, you be thinking about your one cool thing that you're going to share, guys. But um, with that being said, I mean, that's kind of where I land on this. There is a, a little bit of insight we can, or a little bit more uh, refinement we can get in realizing that you're using enterprise language to talk to small businesses and everybody's getting missed in between. And you can either focus on enterprise or change your language and continue focusing on small business. And one thing, I mean, one thing that I would probably do uh, because I'm a, I'm kind of a dumb person, uh, so Corbett would have to tell me if this is smart or not. But I would try to find like a few companies or small businesses that really represent the kind of people I would want to work with, and I would do some free work for them. I would, In exchange for them helping me figure out exactly, like for in exchange for basically two conversations, one on the front end, one on the back end, and then I would help them figure out some insight from, from their data, but that would fall out from the, basically the conversation on the front. Listen, I'd like to do some free data work for you. It's something I'm really good at. Here's all I'm charging is, that, is a conversation. on the the beginning and at the end, because I want to learn what it is that I did that was valuable for you. And to me, it's not just like reaching out into the ether and presenting that to anybody. It's like, oh my gosh, I love how this guy writes or how that lady is so honestly herself or the value of what uh, like the mission behind this blog back here or, or whatever, stuff like that. That's one place that I would start.
2: I I, I I totally agree with that. I think that I think that's um a great way to get started. And I think a lot of people overlook the the value of doing free work. I know a lot of people feel like, oh, I don't want to undervalue myself or sell myself short, or if I give it away, then you know it's gonna be hard to charge for it later or whatever. I think in the beginning, it's really hard to pitch a business on results that you haven't yet achieved uh and that you're not entirely sure of. So by, by doing free work, you can learn a lot about your services, learn a lot about the specific results that you can get, and then you'll be able to craft a pitch from that. And if you do a really good job, you might get a great testimonial out of it.
0: Booyah.
1: Anything else to add, Barrett? Um, you know, I think another exercise you can do early in the roadmap that you don't have to publish anywhere, but you could, especially if you're spending a lot of time on LinkedIn, is to try and write 10 posts that solve a very small problem that's represented by data analytics for small business owners. If that's your target market, see if you can write 10 blog posts that solve 10 very small problems for these people, because I think it'll start to get you in this mindset of what are the specific needs they have and how can I start acting today to build a brand around helping people solve those things instead of this abstract, you know, all of these people are out there and nobody's paying attention to me idea that I think is going on right now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I like it. And um, just one last thing for me. Yeah. Uh, we, we've we seen this before a lot and I've seen this personally where when you work in these highfalutin consulting jobs uh, or if you have an MBA or whatever, you're steeped in the, the Harvard business review kind of language, you feel like you know a lot about business and you do, but It's a specific kind of business. These are really big organizations and the nature of a big organization is just vastly different from entrepreneurship and small businesses. So don't take it as a personal failure or don't take it as, you know, the training and experience you have isn't valuable because it is. And you probably do know more than the average small business owner or entrepreneur, but not in the way that you you need to know in order to pitch those people. So use that intelligence that you have about business and about solving problems in general and apply it to your own problem here, to your own business here. So that, you know, you can use everything in your toolbox to try to crack this nut and figure out exactly how you're going to sell this thing to the businesses that you want to target.
0: Yeah. I think mean, that's really good. I, I hopefully this is really helpful, Claudia. I I, uh, I think you're awesome. Keep, keep on keeping on. Yep. Okay, so I want uh, everybody to share one thing. Uh, one thing that you think is cool. Could be a book. Could be a website. Could be a toy. Could be a thing that you recently bought. Could be a thing you want to buy. Could be an article. Could be uh, a stretch. I don't know. You could, I'm just stretching on that one. One cool thing. Uh, one cool thing. Just right. one cool thing. Anything. Uh, I'll start. Uh, I have not stopped. I've not been able to stop watching videos from this, this YouTube channel called School of Life. That's your one cool thing? No That's, way.
1: Yeah. That's my, that's my one, does it surprise you? It. <laughs> does it surprise you, Barrett? See, so Chase does this thing in life where, and I love it because it introduces me to cool stuff all the time, and that might be where this segment came from, but uh, Chase does this thing where he'll get it on a kick, and in this case, it's called The School of Life. Yeah. He's been on a big kick lately, and when he finds it, he can't stop talking about it. He introduces everyone he knows to it, so he's <laughs> a great evangelizer <laughs> in that way. But because of that, I knew what his one cool thing. Yeah, was like, he had a it he is. had a sense. Um, so,
0: School of Life is just, uh, it's a lot of things, but really for me, principally, it's a YouTube channel. And in, in their YouTube channel, you go to I'll put it in the show notes. There's a playlist called the Curriculum Part One, and I've been just going through these, and they each one of them blowing my blowing my mind. They're basically it's a school. It's it's brilliant people with a with really awesome points of view. Teaching you about stuff that you should know. Some of them are writers. Some of them are social theorists. Um, some of them are just like the history of ideas. History of idea work. I'll embed that one because I loved it so much. History of capitalism. History of romance. The uh, um, history of whatever. Uh, I don't know what. Bunch of stuff. They're awesome. I love them. And um, I I just think... Uh, I'm going to be watching these videos for a long time. And maybe you can you can join me in watching the curriculum part one of... They're all like, you know, seven to nine minutes. They're easy to get through. So, School of Life is my one cool thing, especially their, their one on work.
2: Corbett, what do you got? I'll give you a little gadget. Um, I just got a new running watch, a Garmin. It's the Forerunner uh, 235. It's got like a built-in heart monitor and uh gps activity monitor Whoa. all that kind of stuff and uh it's super fun i've been kind of obsessed with it lately and i've been having fun running like i haven't done in a while because it just kind of tells you what's up and at the end you yeah. get to look at your heart rate and you know what your cadence was and all this kind of stuff and uh my, my buddy down here signed me up for a 10k at the end of the month um before we came down so that's why i bought it and i'm happy i did oh no way really yeah where is where in it's uh, in, in Montanio, Mexico, like uh, okay. a town near us. Wow,
0: that'll be cool. Nice, buddy. Yeah. So, Garmin Forerunner two thirty five watch.
1: It's a serious it. business. Serious I like business. That. All right, Barrett, bring it out. I don't know if I have a lot right now. I haven't been discovering a lot of new things, so I'll share uh, the most recent novel I started reading called The Magicians. Well, if you are like a Harry Potter fan, or you like the whole fantasy novel type thing that involves magic. This is a more grown-up version of that. There's like cussing and sexual innu- innuendo and all the things that Harry Potter didn't have for yeah. the adult crew. I think
0: they did a version, I think they're doing a show of uh, of this on Sci-Fi Channel.
1: Oh, they might be. I yeah, think so. so. Anyways, it's it's good. It's been delightful so far. I always enjoy it when I get into a book and like I can really get going on it and this is one of those that I've been able to do that. You're There's digging? a whole series of it. So Do I'm they have muggles? Are there muggles? There are no muggles, but there are definitely people who don't understand that magic exists. You're a wizard, Harry. Mm. Wizard. Wizard. You're a wizard. <laughs> Did someone say that? You Hagrid, right now? Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm, like I'm like this weird. Oh, like Chase's Hagrid is
1: amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this weird. Anyways, there's this one meme that's that's tragic. I can't really I can't really say it out, but it makes me laugh so damn hard. It's so good. Uh, anyways, so the magicians. Uh, that's cool. That's our one cool thing. That just gives people a little bit of insight. On uh, by the way, I'll add a little bit here. I am watching uh, kind of a good show called The Expanse on Sci Fi Network. I'm just you're turning
1: this into two good things. I just I'd, want you to know.
0: I'll do. I'll go around again, oh, and right. then you tell me if you've got some more. But I uh, just just to see if anybody else is watching The Expanse because I have literally never heard anything about this show, and I'm kind of liking it a lot. Uh, I just if any of our listeners, dear listener, if you listen, if you're watching The Expanse, just tweet me just say hey at chase underscore reeves me too on the expanse i'd like to i'd like to know because i don't know why nobody's talking about the show it's pretty good okay i think that's it guys i think we've answered claudia's question i think we know which watches uh, and youtube videos and books to buy woo 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 right you all good you're gonna you're gonna enjoy yourself in mexico woo! yeah
2: <laughs> have you been out surfing yet <laughs> I, yeah i went out today it was pretty rough oh not in surfing yeah. shape takes a long time yeah it's a, it's a different learns. kind of workout. Yeah,
0: it is. I'm doing some slow push-ups to try to get ready for it, but I'm I'm going to be in pain the first few days. Yep. It's worth All it. All right, team. Well, I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Lee Barr. I've been Barrett Allen Brooks. And we'll see you there, or we'll I'll see you, see out you. on some another, another time.
1: time. Some other time.
0: Another different time. Yeah. That'll I'll be see. when? Like later. Yeah, not now. Come on. Okay.
1: So there you
0: have it. Thanks, Claudia, for being brave enough to share. We absolutely love hearing from you. Show notes for this episode are at fizzleshow.co slash 148. That is where you're going to find the YouTube video from the School of Life on the history of work. I went ahead and just embedded that in the page, just like a seven minute sort of thing. Very awesome. Also, uh, I also put there our our guide to unique selling proposition. Um, It is a guide that's free. That you can download. In there is 20 just great examples of unique selling propositions or USPs. We built this to kind of help you get those creative juices flowing. So check it out if you haven't yet. It's totally free and it looks quite good if I do say so myself. You'll find that at fizzleshow.co slash 148. Here's an iTunes review from Ryan Herbstomer in the US of A who said, I had to take a short break, but then I had to come back. When I first listened, I honestly wasn't too impressed because there was a lot of talking and joking. I'm serious about business, so it just didn't click. After a month or so, I was still subscribed, and I decided to give it another chance, and I'm so glad I did. Somehow, they have taken serious topics and turned them into a fun conversation that's informative, enjoyable, and just really good. Honestly, thank you so much for sharing it, Ryan. Uh, you guys give me hope because there really isn't, there aren't a lot of days where I don't at least have some worry going about like, are we, I mean, are we just, should I, should we change? Should we change? And I'm glad that, because if I could build a podcast in a business where we get to talk in real ways, then I would prefer to do that. So thanks for telling us, Ryan. You know, our goal here is to help you make progress on your business every single week. If you leave us an iTunes review, it can really help us because other entrepreneurs find the show. And we want other entrepreneurs to find the show. We really want to create a community of people here. who are building real businesses that are like fun and cool and good instead of crappy and baloney and malarkey. I don't know. I'm looking for words that aren't because I don't want to add a, a beat back here. <laughs> so if you could simply search for the show in iTunes and click write a review, I'd love to hear your voice and read it out on the air. Okay, here's a uh, little a little benediction for the end of the show. Here again from my my friend Scott Erickson's new book on 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 prayer, but it's uh, it's not uh, it's not so uh, so I don't know so religious as you might think. And he says simply, "May I believe that newness is possible. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.